Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host, Bill Bannum, and today we are joined by Jane Watson, Head of People and Operations at Actionable. Jane's career in human resources has been filled with exciting opportunities, engaging challenges, and respected mentors. It has also spanned a variety of industries, business environments, and organizations, all of which have allowed her to develop a unique insight into the diverse range of HR challenges that companies face. Jane will also be a speaker at the upcoming Innovate Work Toronto event on April 16th, where she'll talk about Beyond Me Too, challenging ourselves to think differently about preventing sexual harassment. Jane Watson, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bill. It's great to be here. Firstly, tell us a bit about yourself, your career background up to joining Actionable. Sure. So I've been in HR for almost 15 years. And as you mentioned in that kind intro, I've worked in a variety of sectors and organizations, um, including the private sector, uh, some time in nonprofit, and, uh, and the public sector, actually, all before I joined Actionable. Um, and it's really been a whole variety of organizations. I started out at, um, at Maple Leaf Foods, actually, which um, your Canadian listeners will know is a, uh, a large uh, food processing uh, company here in, in Canada. And uh, I worked uh, on site on a, a, at a turkey processing facility um, and went on to work in, um, in a consulting organization at a design agency, a nonprofit, as I mentioned, and um, a public sector regulator. So uh, I've had lots of variety but uh, have really enjoyed sort of seeing how different um, and similar the HR challenges are in a variety of organizations. You're now the head of people and operations at Actionable. Tell me a bit about your role there, uh, your typical duties, what you love, what you don't love so much. Give us an overview. So I joined Actionable at the beginning of last year. So it's um, you know, been about 15 months. We are a, uh, a, a fairly small um, technology company, and we partner with learning consultants to help them make their learning initiatives sticky and measurable as they work with client organizations. Um, so we are a completely remote organization. Uh, we have employees in, in three countries, and my role as, as head of people uh, is obviously to develop our people practices internally to support a fully remote team as we work on expanding the business and working with um, more consultants who are working with larger um, end user organizations. Um, In my sort of operations side of things, um, I work uh, directly with some of our consultants on some of the larger projects that they're doing and some of their, their learning content um, as well as looking at um, sort of the compliance considerations for operating in a couple of different countries. Talk to me, if you don't mind, a wee bit about what some of those challenges are for, for companies looking to change their model where um, a large part are able to work remotely. What, what, what does that mean in terms of changes in processes and different ways that one needs to learn to communicate? You're spot on uh, in acknowledging that there, there are challenges associated with remote work. So I, like you, am a big fan 
um, this has been my first experience really working remotely and it's, it's been great. It's been a really good one. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's not all, it's not all rainbows and, and sunshine. There are definite challenges uh, from a teamwork and collaboration perspective. You mentioned one of them, which is communication. Um, even if you are all in one time zone, we, we are not, but even if you are, I think you, you really miss a lot in terms of um, social and verbal nonverbal cues that you get when you're interacting with people in an office um, and you're co-located. When you move to having some or a significant portion of your team working remotely, um, it's, you have to be a lot more deliberate about adding additional context when you're communicating. Uh, you really do have to over-communicate. We, we really aim to try to be as transparent as possible and, and sort of work out loud to the extent that we can. So using things like Slack, which is very popular in organizations, uh, whether they're remote or not, but it gives you the ability to see other conversations as they unfold. And so you often have the context or you're able to go back and get it as you get pulled into different, um, different matters and, and, and work issues. The other piece that I think is really for me, absolutely central, and I don't think I realized it when I worked in an office, is just how critical trust is to making uh, remote work work. Um, it's easy to pay lip service to trust. And I, you know, in, when I worked in an office, I would have said, of course, trust is, is very important. But I think once you are in an environment where you're not seeing your team members every day, um, I think it's human nature to fill in the gaps uh, with what you, you know, you think might be going on. And a lot of us sort of tend to, um, to sort of assume the worst. And so there really has to be a very deliberate focus on building and maintaining trust, um, which for us really means uh, communicating about what our priorities are and, and keeping each other accountable for what, for what uh, progress we're making and just really assuming the, uh, the best. So if there is a misunderstanding, which can happen when you're communicating primarily via writing and email, you really have to have that kind of um, benevolent mindset where you assume that it's a misunderstanding and not uh, somebody perhaps trying to be difficult. Um, and that can, that can go a long way in, in heading off uh, disagreements or conflicts that could arise. We'll be right back after this message from Florida International University. Looking to get a leg up in your career? Florida International University has 20 years of excellence in online education and most master's degree programs can be completed in 12 to 24 months. Graduates know how to apply human resource strategies to advance corporate needs in the global market. The program is AACSB accredited and a one-year membership to the Society for Human Resource Management is included. To learn more, check out fiuonline.com forward slash HR podcast. You, you mentioned a, a moment ago uh, the idea of also being a- accountable. So there are lots of uh, strategies and technologies, uh, uh, for example, Slack, which, which help with that project management side of things, with the communication side of things. But in terms of What's available out there now today to, to measure and monitor uh, productivity and collaboration? Is, is that, in your mind, an essential component of today's modern remote workforce? I think it 
accountability is an essential component. And, and I, as you say, there's a lot of different ways to get at that. We are, we are a remote, uh, a, a results only work environment. So we're really not focused on, um, when people do their work. We are very much focused on outputs and outcomes and not really concerned about sort of the hours that people are, are putting in, particularly given that we're in a number of time zones. Uh, it just doesn't really make sense for us. Um, we are always experimenting with this. And so uh, recently, so I would say in the last several weeks, we've gotten into a, a really good rhythm where we have a, a quick kind of uh, virtual stand-up meeting on Mondays where we flag any uh, projects that are at risk of um, falling behind or, or not hitting their objectives. Uh, and we flag for each other. We do a round table and talk about our top project priority for the week. It's really hard to limit it to one, but we try for each of us. Um, and then on Fridays, we loop back in on Slack and update the group on where we're at. So, um, you know, did we hit that priority? Are there other sort of project updates that we need to share with people? And so it's, it's nice to kind of get to the end of the week and feel like you can share uh, whether you made progress on the priority you highlighted at the beginning of the week. And for us as a small team right now, that's sufficient. We're going to hopefully be um, experimenting a little bit with using Trello, as, which we've used in a couple of other areas, but using that um, for the larger projects that we're working on this year. So that's something that, uh, that I'm, I'm working on at the moment. But I, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of options, and it depends on your culture, and it depends on the size of the group that you have. Okay, thank you. Let's talk numbers for a minute. Are you able to offer any indicative uh, statistics or, or trends a, around that, that move from traditional offices to, to um, re remote working in environments? And, and connected with that, uh, can, you, can you point to any, uh, any studies or findings around um, happiness indexes? You know, are, are people generally more fulfilled if, if they get to have at least some component of their work life, which is, which is remote, which gives them easier access to perhaps their families. Um, it gives a, gives an opportunity for them to work on their own time, providing like you said earlier, that they, they hit overall KPIs. Talk to us a bit about that. Yes, there is, um, there's a lot of research out there and I've actually been speaking about this recently. I uh, spoke about remote work at the HRPA conference in, um, in late January. And so I have been digging into the stats and the research on this. And yes, it's definitely on the rise, remote work, uh, certainly in uh, North America and Europe. Um, so numbers are not quite as recent for Canada, but there's been um, a 23% rise from the year 2000 to 2008 for employees working remotely who work for organizations, so not self-employed. And elsewhere, we've seen um, similar uh, rising numbers of people who are working remotely at least part of the time where organizations are offering sort of telecommuting part-time. And I know there's been some, some pretty high-profile cases in the last couple of years, like IBM and Yahoo, that are pulling back some of their... Uh, remote workforces, but, but that is not actually indicative of the overall trend that's happening. Yeah, and some of the really interesting statistics that I came across in the research that I was doing for those talks is that engagement is, is uh, according to Gallup, significantly higher for employees that work uh, out of the office most of the time. Um, and I think that's really interesting. So they looked at people who are not exclusively remote, 
um, which, as we've talked about, has some challenges. They looked at people who are who are mostly remote and found that those people uh, seem to be getting the best of both worlds. Okay, thank you very much. Now we're gonna uh, we're gonna change tack a wee bit, Jane, and uh, I'd, I'd like to focus, if I may, with you on your your topic uh, because you are one of the speakers at the upcoming Innovate Work Toronto event, as we mentioned at the top of this show. Uh, your topic is called Beyond Me Too: Challenging Ourselves to Think Differently About Preventing Sexual Harassment. Can you can you tell our listeners a bit about the topic? So this is clearly something that's been uh, in the media a tremendous amount over the last year and I think is uh, top of mind for a lot of HR people at the moment. Uh, several months ago, when some of these stories began to break, there was, unfortunately, a lot of instances, it seemed, in the media where HR people in the organizations um, where sexual harassment was alleged to have occurred they seemed to be complicit. Uh, they either ignored complaints or, in some cases, really seemed to be covering them up. And I was incredibly disappointed by this. Every story that came out that had that kind of detail in it, um, I, I really began to to question what it was as a profession that HR was doing to try to address sexual harassment. So I had a lot of conversations with people um, in my network um, and my sort of professional communities about this. There's been a lot of events um, and renewed interest and discussion uh, in those communities about this topic. And while I'm encouraged by how focused the HR profession is on sexual harassment in our organizations, I'm, I'm concerned, I guess, that we really seem to be going back to the same tools that are in our toolbox and have been for a long time. And that is a training and policy and investigations. And while I think all of those are completely critical to any strategy to address sexual harassment, it, it doesn't really speak to the prevalence that we continue to see of this issue. The research on sexual harassment says that it is really widespread that one in four women will experience sexual harassment. And uh, that obviously only speaks to women. There are men, certainly, who also experience sexual harassment. And that 70%, some research says, 70% of people that do experience sexual harassment never come forward. And so when we talk about training and we talk about policy and investigations, we are really I think missing a big piece of the, the bigger picture about how we can actively inoculate our organizations against this issue and how we can be a little smarter about preventing the issues in the first place. So there's a ton of research out there. I've spent um, a lot of time digging into this and speaking to various people. And so what I'm hoping to do at Innovate Work is to talk a little bit about some of the insights that I've had um, throughout that, and reflecting on my own experience uh, as well, and many of us in HR, of course, have dealt and come up with this issue in some form. Um, but I, I think that there's uh, a new kind of humility and curiosity that HR needs to bring to this issue. You, you mentioned that you're getting out there and you're speaking uh, at, at different places about this topic. And one of those, one of those other forums for you uh, very soon, in fact, 
is going to be the Disrupt HR Kitchener Waterloo event. Um, is it their first event? I think perhaps it, it's it's one of the newer chapters, certainly. Uh, and, and the the topic there is is uh, is very much related. It's uh, complaints are a feature. Tell me about it, HR, in the time of Me Too. Um, but it's I suspect a bit of a different challenge. Uh, the HR Gazette, we get involved with lots of the different Disrupt HR chapters all around North America and elsewhere, I'm proud to say. And um, when, I, when I've interviewed Disrupt HR speakers in the past, they, they say that it's uh, very different to, say, a session that you'll have at Innovate Work where you get a, a, a bit, bit of a longer amount of time. Talk to me a bit about what some of those pressures are and what those expectations are for that five-minute 20 slide, I think, uh, opportunity at Disrupt HR Kitchen of Waterloo. Yeah, it's definitely a unique experience. I, I did speak, um, was it last year or a year and a half ago at uh, a Disrupt here in Toronto? And it is intense and uh, you have to be incredibly concise, of course, to get through that many slides. And so, yes, I definitely have my work cut out for me because I'm going to focus in on how we can try to change our approach um, to unearth some more of those those complaints, those 70% of people that don't come forward when they have experienced sexual harassment. Um, so yeah, my talk is written. I'm, I'm doing uh, some practice already and trying to whittle it down. Um, and, and yeah, really you have to know, you have to know your talk cold, I think. So I, I'm, I'm working hard to make that, that the case. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's a great energy. I know the event that I did in Toronto, I felt like um, it's it's just a, a really fun, supportive audience and people are extremely engaged and receptive to thinking differently. Well, for all of those people out there who uh, want to keep thinking differently and keep engaging with you, how, how can they how can they connect with you and how can they learn more about Actionable? Yes. So you can learn more at, about Actionable at our at our website. It's uh, www.actionable.co. And uh, we have actually just recently relaunched a new website, and there's lots of interesting uh, content on there. Um, as for myself, um, you can track me down on LinkedIn, but I'm actually most active on Twitter. So my handle is at jsarawattshr. And um, I'm on there all the time. I, I blog and I usually share my content on there. And I'm absolutely happy to engage with people about this topic or, or any other. Perfect. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Jane, thank you very much for being our guest. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.